So last words can be important. They can also be what Notice that my microphone, hello, if everyone's listening, you just probably got a little bit louder. There we go. I'm clipping you back on. Uh, let's start over. Okay, so last words can be important. They can be the words that make us, that, that become most notable about a person's life. So I thought tonight we would start with just a few. Um, Bob Marley's last words were, money can't buy life. Humphrey Bogart said, I should never have switched from scotch to martinis. Winston Churchill, the great uh, uh, prime minister of Great Britain during World War II, said, oh, I am so bored with it all. This is probably my favorite of all of these. Machiavelli is said to have stated, I desire to go to hell and not to heaven. In the former place, I shall enjoy the company of popes, kings, and princes while in the latter are only beggars, monks, and apostles. Birth control advocate Margaret Sanger's last words were, a party. Let's have a party. Josephine Baker uh, knew how to party. She sang, she danced, uh, and she acted. She adopted a dozen kids and lived in Paris. And on the last night of her life, she left a party being held in her honor saying, oh, you young people act like old men. You are no fun. Uh, blues guitarist Leadbelly said, Doctor, if I put this here guitar down now, I ain't never gonna wake up. And he was right. Archimedes, the great mathematician, said, Stand away, fellow, from my diagram. Henry Ward Beecher, the great evangelist, used his last breath to say, Now comes the mystery. And I wouldn't be a good Methodist if I didn't bring up John Wesley's last words, which were to say, best of all, God is with us. There's something about well-stated last words that have staying power. Now, today is a special Sunday in the life of the church. It's Christ the King or Reign of Christ Sunday. Uh, which is the last Sunday before Advent and is the last word of the Christian year. It was first celebrated in 1925 when the world was still just recovering from the Great War and the foundations of World War II were already being laid. There was a push at that time to, uh, for secularization among a number of the global powers and they were intent on separating the people from the influences of faith. And as a way of pushing back on this, Pope Pius XI issued an encyclical instituting a bold statement for the last Sunday of the Christian year. It was an attempt to say, do what you will, but Jesus Christ will have the final word. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, is setting up for us, the basis of our understanding for this last word of God and what it means in the grand scheme of all things. Because when we talk about the reign of Christ and Christ sitting at the right hand of God, we really do mean not just like tomorrow, but we mean like all time. It really means uh, beyond time. Christ will reign forever and ever and ever. Um, 
Tonight, the, the hymns that we've picked for tonight are very celebratory because we're proclaiming, it's like the coronation Sunday for, for Jesus because Jesus is seated on the throne of God at the right hand for all time, forever and ever and ever. Paul is describing this triumphant nature of Christ seated at the right hand of God with all things under his feet and Christ as the head of the church. But Paul is also setting up that in the end, the love of God will win out over all things. Not that you and I will win. Not that you and I will reap some great reward because we were the most faithful. But that God's love wins. And so this is a prayer of Paul's. Uh, and it's not a victory dance, but a call to action reminding us that the work of Christ is tied directly to the work of the church. Paul was telling us that Christ will have the last word, a very powerful last word. And when we are all joined together in eternity, what a joyous day that will be as the hymn goes, standing before Christ in all Christ's honor and glory. It will be this magnificent thing. If you look at the front of your bulletin, there's one person's imagining of what the glorification of Christ will look like as we all are gathered around. And it will be a glorious day when that happens. But until then, there is still work to do because the final word of God has not been spoken yet over all of humanity. And we're not here just biding our time, waiting for the day when we, for that glorious day when we are, we are not biding our time waiting for that glorious day. We are out doing the work of being the hands and feet of Christ. Now part of this is looking back and acknowledging where the journey has thus far taken us. Because in order to truly move forward, we have to know where we have come from so we can learn and grow and change and fix those things that we have not done well. And we can repeat those things that have, we have done well. Now, as I reflect back on this, the last day of the year in the, in the Christian year, um, and reflect back on this, the, bleh, let me start that sentence over. As I reflect back on the last year, in this last Sunday of the Christian year, as we look back at the successes and failures of the last year, I can't help but think of one of the major issues that has been a dark spot on this last year. Uh, we all know it, that racial tensions have probably never been higher, or at least they seem like they've never been higher than they are right now in our country. And I haven't been here at AU that long, but it certainly feels like that is the case here as well. And even if it's not on the surface, it seems to be bubbling just under. And maybe tension is the right word for it, because I don't know that there is active uh, intentional aggression happening on a daily basis anyway. But it's there, bubbling right under the surface, popping up every so often in this place and that place. One of the great sins of the United States is that we have been participants in, contributors to, and 
silent in the face of white supremacy and racism for much of our history. And we here at AU and in this community are not immune from that. Even though we hold ourselves to be a community that welcomes all. It's not that our intention is not there. I truly believe it is. And it's not that we're not trying, because I certainly believe we are. But we have not been perfect. And that includes me. We had an incident early in the semester that, led a, that started a chain of events that led to our president resigning and no longer feeling comfortable here. And I played a major contributing role in that. Now, I didn't set out to cause harm. The good Lord knows that has never been my intention for anything I do, but I did. I made a situation worse through my inexperience and my lack of awareness of myself. Now, why am I telling you this? Because, frankly, it would be easier to run away from this, to run away, continue on, to move on, to pretend like it never happened, and just brush it under the rug. But I want to do better than that. I want to be better than that. And I think we're required by God to be better than that. So we need to ask ourselves what it means that we are a community that's majority white. We need to ask ourselves, not if, but where are the places where we continue to allow microaggressions to exist in our community. We need to evaluate how our belief in welcoming all blinds us to ways in which we are not. We need to ask, where have we fallen short, and where do we need to ask forgiveness? We need to ask, what is it that keeps us from being a place where all are welcome? Because at the end of the day, just like I say at the beginning of every service that I lead here, this is a place where all are welcome because this is God's place. And we need to live that. In order to do that, we need to ask these hard questions. And it might be hard, it might be uncomfortable, but it's important. Because being honest about our shortcomings and not sitting in them, but seeking forgiveness is how we move forward. Recognizing our faults and shortcomings and learning from them. To make this place reflect the kingdom of God and make sure that this place is a place where all can dwell in the glories of God. That's what we're setting out to do. That's why we have this mission statement that includes welcoming all. And it's also about the fact that the resurrection of Christ and the seating at the right hand is not about a secret club where the saved gather at the feet of Jesus. It's an invitation to the hope which God has called you that Paul mentions in verse 18, a hope that invites us to join in God's greatest work of salvation and reconciliation. This is our Christly inheritance to be the body of Christ for the world, redeemed by God's grace, sharing the glorious invitation with others that invites us to form authentic community.
community and to be reconciled with one another and God. To find a way past the grievances that separate us and to work to create a space that reflects the kingdom of God. That lifts all up. Absolutely all. And shares the good news that God's grace is freely given to all. And we are set free to be declarers. Oh, wait, I skipped a couple lines there. And this is the good stuff. Oh, so, uh, back up here. Um, this is our Christly inheritance to be the body of Christ for the world, redeemed by God's grace, sharing the glorious invitation with others that invites us to form authentic community and to be reconciled to one another and God, to find a way past the grievances that separate us and work to create a space that reflects the kingdom of God that lifts up all, absolutely all, and shares the good news that in Christ our sins are forgiven, that God's love reigns now and forever, that God's grace is freely given to all, and we are set free to be the declares of the last word. So as we contemplate this last word, what will be our last word this year? Amen.